On this Friday night episode of Any Given Fun Day, I am glad to be joined by ESPN Radio's own Freddie Coleman, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. It's the late night show. Check him out on 104.5, the team right here in Albany. Check him out. He's on from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. I have a great interview with him. We talk a little NFL draft. We cover all our regional teams, the Jets, the Giants, the Patriots, the Bills, and we cover a little basketball, cover a little LeBron James coming back. The Knicks are rolling. It's, it's just good. It's just good in the world right now. Freddie Coleman from ESPN, he joins me. Thank you to all our sponsors, Cosmic Donuts, 12 months of June, the pregame games, What's Poppin' Popcorn, all those guys for helping me make this happen. Everybody enjoy this interview, enjoy your weekend, and we look forward to seeing you on Monday. Make sure you let the fun days roll. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with my pleasure to welcome in ESPN Radio's very own Freddie Coleman. Freddie, what's going on? I'm good, my friend. How's everything with you today? Freddie, everything is great. Uh, If anybody doesn't know who Freddie Coleman is, ESPN Radio legend over the last two decades, uh, hosts Freddie and Fitzsimmons, late night, weeknight show. 9p to 1 a.m. Monday through Friday. But it's a pleasure to have you on. I I appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy schedule. I know it's draft season. Everybody loves their picks like we were talking about. Um, but before we hop into the draft, Freddie, let's let's touch on something that probably is near and dear to uh, some of our local fans here. You were in Albany at one point in your career before you went before you went huge, right? Yeah, I was in Albany from about 2003 into 2004, and it's amazing because that was a market I had always wanted to work in when I was working in Poughkeepsie, New York, and around the Lower Hudson Valley area. When it comes to Orange County, Dutchess County, and Ulster County. Albany is just such a great, really cool place to be in terms of radio and TV. Underrated sports market, in my opinion, because a lot of people know it for Siena and you Albany basketball, no doubt about that. But there's so many passionate fans with different sports teams and different sports. And it's never secret why so many tournaments are being held in the Albany area because everybody's going to show up even if they don't have a rooting interest in a particular team, no matter what goes on or what sporting event is going on. So it was 2003, 2004-ish. So was there a team that you were focused in on when you were here? Maybe like the River Rats? Was it? Was there something going on at the Times Union Center or pe- the Pepsi Arena back then that, you know, a team that caught your eye that you were uh, a fan of? Well, I tell you what, I had a chance to be a part of the TV broadcast for the Albany Conquest, maybe the Arena Football League team. And it was their first year having Arena Football back to Albany. So I was really into the inner workings of the team and hanging out with the coaches and the players and knowing the people that had a chance to bring arena football back to Albany. So I really was able to get best in them because you can't really choose sides between Cena and Albany. And I know people on both sides of that aisle, <laughs> so I can't be one over the other from that standpoint. But Albany Conquest was kind of like that neutral team in the middle that everybody could rally around. So it was really cool having them reemerge with arena football back in the Capital District area and having everybody being really, really enthused by having them back in the, in the, in the whole mix when it comes to that. See, see people, there is reason to, to, to enjoy it here in Albany. Come on, you're hearing it from, from a legend himself, Freddie Coleman. Let's, uh, let's hop into the draft. I mean, it's, it's, it's draft season, it's Lions season here. Um, let's touch on some of these, uh, these local teams here in, uh, in New York. And let's start, I mean, let's go no further than the New York Jets, number two overall pick. 
Zach Wilson, what's your first thoughts on him? Well, my first thought is still the same as my thoughts when I really believed and everybody believed that the Jets were going to take him at number two. Whatever the Jets are seeing, I'm going to trust in Joe Douglas, the general manager, and the new coach, Robert Salah, that they believe this is the guy that can be the quarterback they're going to need to be successful. And I don't really look at who he played or who he didn't play against when he was at BYU because there are plenty of players. I'm not going to punish the competition against them. By the same token, you have plenty of players that play against top flight competition. That doesn't mean they're going to be able to do that and handle that in the National Football League. I just love this personality where he and his family are hanging out there and he does not seem to be afraid of any kind of challenge on and off the football field that New York is going to represent. So I was on board saying, man, I don't know if this is a guy that if I had my brothers, I would have loved for the Jets to take Justin Fields instead. But on last night and seeing and hearing him, I'm saying, you know what? I hope to be wrong. I always wanted to be wrong anyway, but I really hope I'm going to be wrong. I felt about Zach Wilson before the Jets took him at number two. But the one thing that scares me, Freddie, and maybe you can back me up on this or, you know, take the latter side. I feel like he is he's got all the physical attributes, right, to be a great quarterback in the NFL, has the arm, has the the mobility and everything like that. But it seems to me like maybe he he lacks, I want to say the maturity and maybe that can come with time. But, you you know, he's he had comments and one that really sticks out in my head uh, was a comment he had about Aaron Rodgers last year and his swag. And it just seems like Maybe maybe Wilson is too locked in on his on his look and what and what people perceive him to be instead of just going out there and focusing straight on football. Well, if that's his personality and he can make that work for him, I'm not going to punish him for that because you want your quarterback to be a confident, not just player, but also a confident leader. I think any quarterback, no matter what level that is, has that kind of confidence and maybe a touch of that arrogance with him. So I won't punish him for that, but I've also been a big believer if you're going to be that kind of person, if that's who you're going to portray, that you are that kind of person, that kind of football player, then you better go back, go out there and back it up with your play because you look at a guy like Joe Montana who was never demonstrative in terms of arrogance and confidence, but he played like a dude anytime he got on the football field. There are other guys who didn't even have his pedigree that were going out there to say, I'm going to be the next greatest thing, and they couldn't even play dead. So if this is what it's going to be when it comes to Zach Wilson, that's what he's going to put out there, that kind of face, that kind of attitude. I'm okay with it, but you better go out there and deliver because if you're not going to be able to deliver, believe me, all those detractors like me who had reservations about the Jets draft year number two are going to say, yep, I was right about that. I was hoping not to be, but it turned out that he proved me right, that he was not ready to be the kind of quarterback that did this thing going forward. For sure. And uh, moving on to that next pick there with the Jets, uh, they were able to trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker, and now they're going to be combining him with an already decent line, right? And you have the rookie on the other side there with Makai Becton. Uh, how do you see that kind of playing out with Vera Tucker and Becton? I love the pick because as soon as the Jets were able to have, he fits what they're going to do. They want to be a punishing, run-based football team, what they impose as what they were able to do when getting to the Super Bowl and having a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter against the Kansas City Chiefs. So he fits the identity that the New York Jets are going to be, that they want to be, that they hope that will lead to success with this football team. If anything, putting him on the same side with Beckton can not only help him in the run game, but he's a really good pass blocker as well. So he may be able to teach a few tricks to Beckton, who is a really good run blocker, but he really struggled against speed rushers in the passing game. And you can't do that in the National Football League, especially with a rookie quarterback, who I believe is going to be a starter from day one when it comes to the New York Jets. So as soon as they moved up in the draft and took him, I thought that was a perfect pick for the kind of team, for the kind of attitude that they're going to have on the offensive side of the ball. 
Now, Freddie, it's not even May. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna make a very early prediction here. We got a new coach. We got all new mm-hmm. coaching stuff. We have a new quarterback, another offensive lineman here. They showed some hope at the end of the season. What's a what's a realistic prediction? And it's not even night two of the draft. What's a realistic prediction you think for the New York Jets this year? If they can get the five or six wins, they should consider that a proper step in the evolution when it comes to this team trying to get back on the right track again because if things don't fall right for the Jets, we're talking about a potential two-win team. I think they're going to be a little bit better than that because I think Robert Salah is going to have this team motivated and they're going to play hard each and every week. They don't have the the prerequisite talent you're going to need, not just to compete in the AFC, but to compete in the AFC East because Buffalo is really good, Miami is really good, and we know the Patriots are going to be a lot better, especially getting Mac Jones a 15 pick. It would not surprise me at a certain point that he's going to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. So if you're the New York Jets and you're one of Robert Salah with a rookie quarterback, if you get the five or six wins, that is a perfect first step to say, okay, this is what we need to do, who we need to go after out in the draft and in free agency. And maybe just maybe you have that kind of, then you become a lot more attractive to free agents who want to buy into what the New York Jets are going to be selling out there, that they're on the come up and not just a team that's going to stay mediocre, even with a new head coach or a new quarterback, what's going to happen coming up in the 2021 season. And we're joined here by Freddie Coleman from ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Freddie, so let's roll right into the Patriots. I mean, now you have Cam Newton. You now have Mac Jones. He fell to you in the draft. You couldn't have probably asked for a better a better night if you're Bill Belichick. What is the leash really for Cam Newton now that Mac Jones is breathing down his neck? Well, Bill Belichick will, will do everything he can to put the best players on the field. So I don't know how much of a chance that Mac Jones may have to be the starting quarterback at least early on. Now, we've seen before. If you're going out there and you're doing your thing, that Bill Belichick does not worry about hurting someone's feelings, mm-hmm. especially if you're a rookie or if you're a player that's been in the league and a former MVP when it comes to Cam Newton. So I don't know how much of a rightful chance he's going to have to win the job, but look at it this way. Now you believe you have your quarterback for the future because it's not going to be Cam Newton. And Jared Stidham has shown to me that he can't be a, a starting quarterback, at least a starting quarterback that you can believe in. He's going to be a career backup at best. But now you bring the guy in Mac Jones who does everything that you like. That He checks all the boxes, accurate passer, can push the ball downfield, underrated mobility. He does everything that you would want in that offense. And especially with the moves that they've made in the offseason by bringing in all these offensive players. You bring in two new tight ends. You bring in two new wide receivers. Now you're only helping to fortify your offense, whether Cam Newton's the quarterback, but also your future when this becomes Mac Jones' team. That could happen sooner than later. We'll see. But at least the beginning, I don't know how much of a chance he's going to have to win a starting job, but Bill Belichick's going to keep a close eye on him to see exactly what he has in Mac Jones going forward, not just in 2021. And the Patriots will be drafting mid in the second round, and you addressed their offensive situation. They definitely went hard in free agency, definitely went out and got some players there. Is is it a shoe-in that the Patriots are going to go second round, Some somebody on the defensive side of the football? Well, I, yeah, because they have to. But remember this, they're getting a bunch of guys back that opted out last year because of COVID-19. So a lot of the guys that they did not have along the lines of Dante Hightower, they're going to have those guys back. If anything, if you're the Patriots, do you go offensive line and refortify that part of your football team? You don't need to go receiver or tight end. You don't need to go running back. And Belichick does not like taking running backs in the second round anyway. He'd rather take those running backs in the third or fourth round. So if you're going to get, maybe you need that thumper on the outside that can get after the pass, but there could be some pass rushing of availabilities there for the New England Patriots. So it's not a lot that they're going to go defense, but it seems that that's where they're leaning because more than ever before, 
Bill Belichick has realized you can't just out-scheme people and think that's going to work. You've got to be able to have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, quarterback and wide receiver, and especially on defense where you got to have guys that can pressure the quarterback and have the quarterback pick and choose and pick apart your defense and do whatever he wants. One of the most important players on the defense, if not the most important player on the defense, Stephon Gilmore. What's the odds, Freddie, you give him one being no chance, 100 being absolutely that he's in a Patriots uniform starting next season? Oh, he'll be in the Patriots uniform starting next season because if they were not able to trade him during the draft, and I still don't believe that they were going to trade him at draft somebody, unless somebody gave him so many picks that they could not afford, uh, they could not afford to run away from that potential trade part. Still trying to find out why they want to trade a guy that two years ago was defensive player of the year and a candidate for that in the National Football League. He didn't forget how to play football. I just think that a lot of guys were not there and just every was not on the same page and everybody paid the price for that when it comes to the Patriots defense. But I never bought into that they were going to trade him during the draft or before the draft. And now once the draft is over, I still firmly believe he's going to be a member of the Patriots when September rolls around. Let's roll into uh, a foe, we'll say, of the New England Patriots. Let's talk about the New York football Giants. Now, before we even get into who it was, were you expecting what happened last night with them? Were you expecting them to trade out of that number 11 spot? No, because we heard it all from Dave Gettleman saying that he didn't want to get fleeced, and that's why he doesn't trade out of spots or trade back and everything like that. So what did he do? The opposite of what everybody expected Dave Gettleman was going to do. And by doing that, he basically knew that the player that he wanted was not going to be there at number 11. So now you get an extra pick, and then you get a wide receiver for your quarterback that you believe in, in Daniel Jones. I think that Darius Tony, the wide receiver out of Florida, is a really good player, and I think he's going to help that Giants offense. But I guess if you're Dave Gettleman, he has to realize that this is a potential hot seat situation because his draft record has not been impeccable, has not been stellar so far. They're still, we're still waiting to see if Daniel Jones can be that quarterback that he believes he can be. So if you're going to help that guy out, if you believe in him as your quarterback, you go and get him a wide receiver. Now you make sure there are no excuses there. But this could not just be a Daniel Jones thing. This could be a Dave Gettleman thing because if Daniel Jones does not progress, if Kadarius Tony does not have a great rookie season, then the Giants management look at Dave Gettleman and say, okay, this is not working. We may have to go in a different direction. That's how important it was that he made that move to not only trade out of number 11 and back to number 20, but then get a wide receiver for his quarterback because many people believe the jury is still out when it comes to Daniel Jones being the right kind of quarterback, the successful quarterback you're going to need in the NFL. And talking about Kadarius Toney a little bit further, I know he's had some problems off the fields, uh, but talking just on the field, can you see him being that kind of Swiss Army knife? I look at him and I almost get that, you know, that Christian McCaffrey or, you know, a Tariq Cohen kind of vibe, even though he may be a wide receiver. It seems like he could kind of be that guy that that's the wide receiver that comes around and loops around the back, maybe takes it for a run, you know, can kick return, punt return, can do really whatever you need him to do. The one thing that he possesses that more than ever before you need in the National Football League is a guy that can take a short gain and make it into a long game because defenses are not going to allow quarterbacks to sit back there. They want to get that ball out of their hands quickly. And even NFL offenses now, it's get it and throw, get it and throw, get it and throw. So Kadarius Tony is the kind of player that if you get it to him on a bubble screen or a quick slant, if he breaks a tackle, all of a sudden a five to eight-yard gain can be a chunk play, about a 20 to 25-yard gain. That is something that he definitely possesses because he was really good at that at the University of Florida because even Kyle Trask, his quarterback, talked about there were some games where he had a lot of yards and a lot of it was because Kadarius Tony or Kyle Pitts took a short pass and was able to get it down the field. 
And then what happens is you have to creep or to try to take it away. And then you can get him downfield. He can beat one-on-one coverage and make it a big play that way. That's the kind of skill set that he possesses, that he has that ability, that you give him a short pass, you may think it's only going to be a five- to eight-yard gain. Then he breaks the tackle, gets a key block, and all of a sudden he's tilted the field against the defense and put your, put your football on the other side of the 50 and in a great scoring position for your offense. And looking at this NFC East as a whole, we go through the Cowboys, okay, whatever. We look at the Giants, they bulked up tremendously this offseason on the offensive side of the football. We saw what they were able to do on the defensive side. You look at the Eagles, who are still don't know who their quarterback really is. And you look at the Washington football team, who has a lot going for them. Is it realistic to say that the, that the Giants are the favorite to win the NFC East? No, I still think it should be the Washington football team because of that defense and the fact that Ron Rivera, for my money, is the best coach in that division. We saw what he did last year. Nobody thought that was going to be a four-win team. And I know it's the NFC least, but he had them playing hard and playing a lot better as the season was able to go along. And he was the one team. He had the one Tampa Bay. Nobody else did that outside of Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. And even then, Tampa Bay had a big lead early, and Green Bay had to try to find a way to get back into that game. So they have the right coach, and I think they have the right personnel that can make that work. I wasn't surprised they didn't go quarterback, but that does mean they may not go quarterback in round two or round three and prepare for their future after Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he has a team that believes that no matter what happens, that they're going to be tougher than you, they're going to be more physical, and they have the kind of coaching that can make adjustments that can really turn that in their favor if things are not going well early. So right now, for my money, the Washington football team should be the favorite in that division because compared to everybody else, they may be and have less questions about them than anybody else in that division. Going off track a little bit here with the football team themselves, you know, it seems to me like they're in a win now mode. Would you would you agree with that? More than ever before, my my man, everybody's in win now mode just about the National <laughs> Football League because you can go from zero to one hundred or one hundred to zero really really quickly. For example, two years ago, the San Francisco Forty Nine ers playing the Super Bowl. We're thinking this could be a team that could be in competition of challenging the NFC each and every year then a spate of injuries happen. They don't even get out of their own division and get to the playoffs. How many times have we heard that when Seattle Seahawks, when they started the whole Legion of Boom and Russell, West, Russell Wilson as their quarterback, they destroyed Denver in the Super Bowl. We're thinking they could be in line for one of those kind of three championship and four-year runs. They only come out of that with one championship. So except for certain teams along the lines of Jacksonville, of course, the New York Jets, of course, everybody seems to be in win mode. And in that division, the NFC East, where eight wins could win a division, everybody has to have that mentality. And it doesn't matter if you're Philadelphia, New York, Dallas, or the Washington football team. Moving on to the Buffalo Bills, Greg Rousseau, great pick, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. What do you think about him? I love the pick because you get a guy that can come off that corner as a defensive end, and now you can do so many different things with him on defense where you add him to a playmaking defense that was able to really get interceptions and stymie drives and give the offense a short field, not that the offense needed it because it was so efficient last year, led by Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. A lot of people thought they were going to go running back. They might have thought about that, but I think they probably can think they can get trapped ATN in the second round. At least they thought they were before Jackson was able to take him, and we knew Pittsburgh was going to take Najee Harris. But that does mean they won't get a quality running back. But now you get somebody else in your defense that can help because you're in a division where you got to deal with Tua Tungabailoa twice a year. You're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. You're probably going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. you got to deal with those quarterbacks. you got to get that pressure and get the heat on those guys. So that was the right pick for the Buffalo Bills, that the running backs that you needed were not going to be there. You're not going to overreach for a running back at that point in the first round. But now you get a guy where now you can play him in so many different ways and alongside people 
to make your defense even more effective with Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. So speaking about that division there with Buffalo, AFC East in itself, Freddie, I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's becoming its own. The Buffalo Bills are still going to run away with this division, right? I don't know about run away because Miami, I love what they were able to do in the draft where you have your quarterback in Tua Tungabailoa, you get a Jalen Waddle, And that team, had they not slipped up a little bit at the end, they were a team that was in contention for a playoff spot. So it is Buffalo's division. There's no doubt about that. But I don't look at Buffalo as a 13-14 win team. I think they can be an 11-12 win team, but I can see Miami being a 10 or 11 win team as well. So I don't believe Buffalo is going to run away with this division. We know New England is going to be tougher and better than they were last year with the adjustments and also the additions that they made in the offseason. Miami is definitely on the come up, and we know how good Buffalo is. But chalk pick, an easy chalk pick when it comes to Buffalo winning that division. I believe they're going to win the division, but it's not going to be a two or three game runaway. Miami's going to be right on the hills, and don't be surprised the Patriots, I would say, in that division as well. Who was your biggest, what was the biggest surprise for you last night? Was it a lottery pick, you know, somebody you saw in the first top 10? Was it somebody you saw at the end that was a steal? What was your biggest takeaway from last night? The biggest takeaway was the Chicago Bears getting Justin Fields, and I wondered how far he and Matt Jones could slip if they were not taken a number three by the San Francisco 49ers. And when the 49ers took Trey Lance, I said, okay, we may not see a quarterback picked until maybe nine with the Denver Broncos, and that didn't happen. The Carolina Panthers have Sam Donald. We knew they were not going to go quarterback there. Then the Chicago Bears said, we need a quarterback. We're going to trade up and get our guy. They were able to do that and get Justin Fields. So to me, that was the biggest surprise that the Bears, having Andy Dalton, they talk about the whole QB1 thing. They put that out as a tweet, but they also realized, do we really want to trust Andy Dalton with our football team where our defense is going to be pretty good? Our running game is not bad. Let's bring in the future right now. Maybe that future is going to be now with the Chicago Bears. Fields trading up to get him and basically saying it's going to be a quarterback competition between him and Andy Dalton for the starting spot in Chicago. Who has the most hope, would you say, out of this quarterback draft class between Fields and Lawrence and Wilson? We'll t- actually, we'll take, we'll take Lawrence right out of the question because we know he'll probably be pretty good. We'll go Wilson, Fields, we'll go Lance, we'll talk about those guys, Mac Jones. Who do you think has the highest upside? And really, when we look at it 20 years from now, who's gonna, who do you think is going to be the best guy out of that group? I still think it's going to be Mac Jones because I still think he's the most NFL-ready guy, more so than Justin Fields, more so than Trey Lance, more so than Zach Wilson. And now he's going to the perfect situation where you have a chance to go to the Patriots and have that coaching staff mold you and be adaptable and ready for that offense. So Trey Lance, to me, has the biggest ceiling. I think he's going to be a lot better than people are going to say about the kid from North Dakota State. But I'll say right now, Mac Jones is going to be that guy because of where he fell, the team he fell to at number 15. And I believe he's the most accurate passer, not named Trevor Lawrence, in this draft when it comes to the quarterbacks in the first round. Freddie, I got one more thing for you. It's almost NBA playoff time here, and the news just came up on my phone, and I know we have to talk about it. LeBron James looking to come back tonight for the first time since late March. How scared should the rest of the NBA be? The Los Angeles Lakers team, wherever they may be in the conference, fourth, fifth, whatever they are, third, you now see Anthony Davis, you see LeBron James come back. How worried would you be if you're the rest of the NBA? You should be extremely worried in the Western Conference because to me, I think the only team that would not worry about this would be the Brooklyn Nets because they got their star power. And I don't believe anybody in the East is going to beat that team in a seven-game series. But anybody in the West, now you got LeBron James who's going to be motivated and fully rested. You got Anthony Davis motivated and fully rested. This Lakers team was able to tread water and not fall further and further down. They did fall into a play-in situation. 
without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So now both of those guys are going to be back, and it's going to take a little bit before the rust is knocked off and they get to where to the level that we're used to seeing them. But once that happens, it's going to happen close to the playoff time. So I wouldn't want to draw that team in the first round. Let's say if you're if you're a five seed and the Lakers are a four seed, I wouldn't want to draw that team in the first round. If you're the Phoenix Suns or the Utah Jazz, you got the best record in the Western Conference, and you can see the Lakers in a second round semifinal matchup. That's not going to be good for either one of those teams. So there's no doubt that everybody, especially in the Western Conference, should really be afraid of this Lakers team coming together, pulling together, and having both of those guys that are going to be injury-free and, more importantly, well-rested mentally and physically for the rigors of a playoff run. So, yeah, that should scare everybody with LeBron James back in the fold because he wants to show everybody that injury knocked me down, but it didn't knock me out and did not knock this team out when it comes to the Western Conference. I love it. And, uh, Freddie, I'm greedy. I got to ask you one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm greedy. The New York Knicks, Freddie, can we just cough it up as a W now? Can they lose every game the rest of the season? Can we still be happy if we're Knicks fans? Oh, absolutely, because nobody saw this coming, and I think a lot of people didn't want to see this coming or believe it was going to happen with Tom Thibodeau as the head coach. And and give give the Knicks organization a lot of credit. They were able to plug and play exactly the kind of players that they needed. They got a terrific season so far. The R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, perfect Batman and Robin combination that a lot of people wonder how that was going to happen. You draft Emmanuel quickly, who has been terrific for this basketball team. Derrick Rose has been a stud off the bench. You get Nerlens Noel, who has been a great rim protector, especially in the fourth quarter. So no matter what happens the rest of the season, the fact that we're talking about the Knicks this way as a playoff team because they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be a tough out for anybody that they have to face. Have a Brooklyn Nets-Knicks matchup. It won't happen in the first round because the Knicks, I don't believe, are going to fall back into the playing situation. But what if they are a four seed or a five seed and they win their first round matchup and then the Nets are a one seed and they play in the semifinals? The NBA would just be tasty pudding if something like that happens <laughs> because we know that when the Knicks are good, when the Celtics are good, when the 76 are good, when the Lakers are good, it makes your league better. And the league has been waiting for the Knicks to be the kind of team you can look at and say, they won't win a championship, but the fact they're going to be in the playoffs, it could be a tough opponent for anybody in the playoffs. Only good is going to come out of that and not just for the New York Knicks and their fans at Coleman ESPN on Twitter. Everybody, make sure you go check out Freddie's show, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Freddie, thanks again for coming on. Uh, the Albany people here, they they really appreciate you. I appreciate you. Forward to speaking to you again real soon. You take care and be well, my friend. Appreciate it, Freddie.